Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the, I don't know what it is, edition. A couple of weeks from the All-Star Break edition. Eloy is back edition. The Eloy is back edition. Good idea. I'm not sharing socks. I'm Southside Sox duty geezer Lee Allen. With me, my son, and usually West Coast correspondent Will. But now, and for the next six weeks or so, uh, next room correspondent. Because uh, we're going to do a plug here. Uh, Will is in town for the uh, rehearsals and up to uh, opening night of the world premiere of his play, Campaigns, Inc. You'll all want to get tickets. They are available now at uh, TimelineTheater.com.org. Dot .com. Dot com. <laughs> dot com. Uh, yes, I, I'm usually on the West Coast. Uh, today, I'm now your new humidity correspondent. Uh, my body is feeling humidity for the first time in a while. Uh, thank you, Chicago. And uh, But I'm excited to be here. We're actually going to check out the Sox live on Sunday against the Tigers. Uh, but before we uh, face the Tigers, we got to talk about what just happened with the Twins. Interesting, interesting series and interesting salvaging of the series on uh, Wednesday. We're recording this on Thursday between the Twins and Tigers series. So we the game last night, which which uh, I covered, so I was watching intently, uh, where the Twins would score, Sox would score, Twins would score, Sox would score. And interesting, here's the thing, nobody, I think, mentioned, although the TV crew at the time put a camera in the Twins' dugout, in the top of the 10th, and we, we get on 
the Hall of Famer baseball person plenty and should, absolutely should. But in the top of the tenth, they had Carlos Correa had a you know one of those days off things that they give players periodically. Carlos Correa was on the bench and available, and they had two outs, two on, top of the tenth. If they don't score, they know they lose. I mean, how the Sox would score the run, but at that point they they start with a guy on second, and you only need one run. You can almost not be able to score. I mean, you you got to. Yeah. And Correa stayed on the bench while Jeffers, a 170 hitter, made the last out. They had another catcher available on the bench as well. It's not that they used up their catchers and were stuck. Um, that's as stupid as you can be, frankly. I mean, to me, it, it almost feels like what happened was uh, Rocco Baldelli didn't know what to do. So he texted Tony LaRussa and said, what would you do in this scenario? <laughs> And Tony said, leave the 170 guy in. Trust me. Uh, that was a very Tony move to do. In fact, we saw it recently with uh, in Anaheim, the game I was at, uh, where Lurie came up with a chance to uh, win the game. And we had Vaughn sitting on the bench, not win the game, but get, get us back in the game. We had Vaughn still sitting on the bench. He was having a day off and didn't bring him in in the ninth. And we ended up losing that game. That was a very, very strange decision. I'm I'm a little confounded this year on the unwillingness to bring in the stars who are on their day of rest in key moments. You know, I would think that a, a day of rest for a pro baseball player means you should still be ready to play at any point. Uh, you should especially be ready to hit at any point, we're just not going to make you stand out there in the hot sun for three hours. It's a really strange decision. I'm very thankful that it happened yesterday uh, with the twins. That was our first win against the twins since August of 2021. Uh, that is a nasty stat for your division rival who is uh, winning, leading the division. We're currently five and a half games back of the twins. We would be, 19 games back if we were in the East. We would be 14 games back if we were in the West. And actually probably more because we would be playing West and East teams more. So I was about to say we'd be a lot more than 19 games back in the East. We One thing, we'd probably be in sixth place. I mean, you know, we, we, we dump on Baltimore and dump on Baltimore. And it turns out they're not bad. They're just in the East. Yeah. They're not bad. I, I, they've been feasting on the, the Central when they've played the Central. They've even had a, a good series against the Yankees. They're not, they're not bad at all. And they're not sitting nearly as far down in the, the cellar of many of the statistics that we are. Um, but that said, I think last night's win was really, really important. I, yeah, I do too. I, I think having been to what you, you had, Theoretically, some momentum coming in from, from sweeping the Giants. But those games, I mean, you had two games that were just handed to you by incredibly bad defense and then a bullpen game for the other team. So there's not a lot of, yeah, yeah, we're there from that kind of thing. Uh, and then to lose to the Twins uh, two in a row, possibly get swept. And it really looked like that was going to happen. I frankly was very surprised by Juan Zomer. Uh, but uh, we should talk about the first of the homers, the guy who was back, uh, Aloy 
I, I mean, I I did the write-up before the end. We went, oh, Lloyd's back, and Lloyd's back, and Lloyd's back. And, and I was really thinking, I did not put it, that if he doesn't hit at least four homers and make an over-the-wall grab of a catch, it's going to be disappointing <laughs> for all the all the hype of getting it back. And then his first time up, he just looked at a strike three that was not even close. <laughs> it was right in there. I thought, uh, oh, well, and then the next time, I, I know you didn't get to see the game because you were at rehearsal, but his home run was straight up in the air. <laughs> I, I saw the highlight of it. That's as high as you can hit a, a ball and have it still leave the park, I think. It was the highest one by the White Sox this year, 156 feet. Wow. And just stayed fair. But it was still a legit homer, and it was hit hard. It was just hit straight up. You can hit it straight up and put it out. That's pretty cool. Uh, and then, of course, he had another RBI single later on. So I think a two-for-five-day with a homer and three RBIs is quite suitable. He did not run into anybody in left field. Uh, he made some routine catches. Then he had one that was a foul ball uh, by Arias. Uh, where he went into the net and the starts go, wow, wow, great catch. Well, it wasn't a great catch. It was a good catch. It was a great catch for Loy, and it was great that he didn't get hurt because that usually is what happens when he runs or something. Especially when he runs into the net. Into the net. He gets tangled in the net. So he bounced out of it just fine. So the defense was okay. Certainly uh, – as well or better than than Andrew Vaughn or uh, Gavin Sheets would have done out there. And um, there was one time when he came within, I don't know, 15 feet of Luis Robert, and they all smiled at each other And yeah. <laughs> after Luis made the catch. Well, I think, I, I mean, there was a lot that was encouraging about the way the Sox played yesterday with the way they were coming back and constantly fighting back. Yeah. You know, we haven't seen them do a lot of that this year. We've seen a lot of getting down in games and just kind of blasé for the rest of the day. You know, not not fighting back. Uh, a big part is getting the ball out of the park for the White Sox. We have not been hitting a lot of home runs. The White Sox, like every team in Major League Baseball, win at an extraordinarily higher percentage when they've got at least one home run. And, and even uh, more so with multiples. While I believe we actually put up 13 runs the other day without hitting a home run, uh, this was a circumstance where you needed to hit a home run. You, you needed to hit a couple of them just to keep up with the Twins, with guys like Buxton and, of course, Polanco who had a, a sort of career day home run-wise for him. I mean, you have to match that. And the cool thing is we did. You know, Robert had – a laser shot uh, uh, that one that one really was it strangely uh it did not have an extremely high exit velocity but it sure seemed to get in into the stands in a hurry it looked harder hit than i think it was uh and then vaughn who dug up a, a breaking ball on the outside half of the plate and pulled it for a home run which is surprising it's kind of a jose abreu thing to do and uh, to see that from Vaughn, to see him getting that power behind it, really hitting out on his front foot, uh, that was a pretty impressive thing. And, of course, we know Andrew Vaughn is a legitimate big league hitter now, but you never know in those circumstances how it's going to go. And and 
he dug up a pitch that was going to be really hard to hit out of the ballpark and he hit it out of the ballpark. And I think there's a, a lot of good stuff that came out of yesterday. It's actually a pitch he probably shouldn't have pulled. Uh, he absolutely shouldn't have pulled it. I, I mean, it, it was the the classic case of sort of a, a classic Jose Abreu where he, mostly from his era where he thinks I have to do it all when the team was really bad. And he would pull those low outside breaking pitches and he would pull them out of the park for home runs, pitches that you should really always just slap in the right field. But when you're strong, you're strong. And Andrew Vaughn, uh, you know, saved, saved the day yesterday. And then our boy Leori got to be the hero on a... Whom we always promote. <laughs> yes, we're always amping on this podcast. Uh, he hit a routine ground ball to third, but because the infield was in, uh, it ended up being the game-winning hit. So this walk-off, I think, is is just huge. I, I think if the White Sox do salvage this season, which it is... T- We've said before, you know, it is still salvageable. We are, we are not in the central as we're in the central. It's absolutely still salvageable. We're just behind Cleveland for second place now. I think one game. Uh, and, and they've sort of started a little bit of a slide this past week. Uh, being swept in a four game series by Detroit, I would call more than a little bit of a slide. Oh, we're about to play a four game series <laughs> against Detroit. So. Uh, I'm trying to leave a little room. I would cons- well if we lose four in a row to Detroit, I'll consider it more than a little bit of a slide. <laughs> yes, I think if we lose all four to Detroit, um, we can kind of end this season. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was this was a big win. It's nice to come out here, and I realize we lost the two games before, but as we said moments ago, getting swept by the Twins in this series would have been. A really, really bad scenario. And I think, aside from the two-run homer, uh, I'm not convinced that that Aloy, baseball-wise, is the savior of the team. He, for the last year and a half, has been a very average hitter. In fact, last year, about as average as you can be at an OPS plus of 99. And, of course, the start of this year, he he was miserable. He doubled his home run total for the season yesterday. But he has a spirit. And we have some guys with spirit, but they had been dispirited by the way the team was playing and the outcomes and of that. And he bought new blood. And we talked about, and you were saying, well, they fall behind and then go, well, we're behind. I guess that's it. I think he pumps the happiness. And, and I'm sure he's super happy because he hasn't played in so long and he's coming back from injury. You need happiness. You ain't going to get it from the Hall of Famer baseball person. So you need to generate it yourself well, among he, the players. He does claim that he was jumping up and down so much after the game that he pulled something. So we might get luck. Not Aloy. Oh, sorry. Not Aloy. Not Aloy. Tony, uh, <laughs> Hall of Famer baseball person. So maybe we'll get a, a few games without Tony in the dugout if he actually did pull something. That'd be nice. But I totally agree with you. Um, Aloy... I mean, we know the guy can hit. It's quite possible that he is going to come in and and be a really solid hitter. Uh, But he is, and I think we've learned this this year more than ever, the lifeblood of the team in terms of spirit, especially with Tim Anderson dealing with some off-field stuff. Uh, Eloy brings this this joy. Tim Tim is is the spirit of the team in another sense, as is Jose in yet another sense. Jose is... 
the father figure, I, I guess. And the work. And, and the, the leader by example kind of guy. Not that he doesn't get happy. I mean, his grin is 16 feet wide when, when something goes well. Uh, and Tim uh, is enjoying the game a lot of the time. Josh Harrison, who doesn't get to play because he only hits 40 points better than the guy who plays instead of him <laughs> uh, and feels better. Uh, uh, it's a very spirited guy. Yeah. And, and I don't mean any of these guys are, are downers, but they're just kind of there. I mean, they're, they're just guys playing, playing ball. I'm sure they're enjoying playing the game when it goes well. Um, but they're, and I guess the picture I have of in game, and I don't know if you saw this game because you weren't here. One of the Baltimore games, a pitcher had a good inning. He wasn't winning the game or anything. And Rutschman came out from behind the plate. And this is a rookie. Came out from behind the plate. Just his feet didn't touch the ground. And he's leaping up and slapping the guy. And the whole team is coming in and slapping him. Um, which I think is the huge difference in Baltimore this year from last year. Um well, and I think that that similar energy is exactly what Eloy brings, especially after not playing Major League Baseball since April. The guy loves playing baseball, and he loves playing baseball for the Chicago White Sox. You could feel it last night. We kept getting behind. You know, we ne- we didn't have a lead until we won, and that's that's big in a in a nine eight game. You know, to not have a lead till it's nine eight. And it, it was it was Aloy's spirit, I think, that kept us in that game, kept us coming back over and over and over again. And I, I'm just so thankful he's back. I'm so thankful that we have that spirit. We have that energy. Let's take our break here. And then I want to talk about my current favorite White Sox player, who is not getting quite as much love probably as he should, Sebi, because Sebi has been a truly shocking development for the White Sox. So let's take a quick break. Hard to disagree with that. And we will be right back on Sharing Socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We spent the uh, first half talking about the lovely walk-off win and the resolve of the team and Eloy's spirit, which I I just think is going to do wonders for this team. Uh, but I want to talk about Sebi. We have a catcher right now, I can't believe I'm saying this, who is hitting 345. 345. <laughs> and catching well. That Better than he ever has, at least. Yeah. What do we do about this? What What do we do? I mean, I, I, I guess when Grandall comes back, you have to play Grandall. Um but do we have do it's tough it's tough to say oh well then we don't need Reese because Reese is the best defensive player on the team so you don't want to lose that but how can we send a guy hitting 345 and playing a solid catcher back to Charlotte 
I, I keep thinking, you know, they haven't paid attention. Other teams have not paid attention to Seve. They, they, what, whatever book they had on him last year is expired because he's changed how he hits, very much changed how he hits. And they haven't adapted to his adaptation yet, which is a series of sequence that happens with, with every player. And, and many rookies or sophomores uh, go downhill real quickly because the league finds out that uh, a fastball under your hands is, is an easy out. I think it yet may happen with Seve. He hasn't been around long enough that uh, they've paid a lot of attention. I think they're going to pay more attention now. I think we'll see in the next series. And we've got four games with Detroit, four games with Cleveland, four games again with Minnesota. It'd be particularly telling in that last Minnesota series if they have adapted to, to Seve if he plays. Uh, but you're right. We've got three catchers. It's, I think, hard to carry three catchers especially when you have such incredibly bad defenders. I mean, we've really got at least five designated hitters on the team, and, and they're playing the two corner spots in the outfield and first base, frankly, <laughs> uh, and, and catching in, in the case of the yes money. Um, there is that we would have a catcher available, and I think it would be Seve. For trade, hmm. and 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 I think and, and Sebi's the one because the the teams that are rebuilding, blah blah means they don't pay anybody to get anything. The teams that are looking for cheap help could go big for Sebi. Now it could be a long term, very big mistake to trade him, but in the short term, if you're looking at this year and we need to recover and we need to catch up or at least get into the wild card. Um, Trading him for some some other help. I, the bullpen, I think, is not good. I mean, we we thought we had this this trillion dollar bullpen going in. Um, Hendricks has been great uh, since he came back. Graveman got hit last night. Graveman has had some very good games. He's not at all consistent. Typical reliever. Uh, Kelly is. Kelly was a bizarre, bizarre acquisition in the first place since he had left last season badly injured. I, I don't know if they didn't do a physical on him or, or what. And then he comes in in, in spring training. It's a sec, late spring training even. And it's the same injury, and it carries him through April. What did they not study before? Was it a, It's like a $15, $16 million two-year contract? I assume that when they signed Joe Kelly – the whole point was because the twins signed Correa and we needed somebody to bean him. And <laughs> that was the only reason I could figure out because they have a historic beef. Kelly actually got to face Correa the other night and there was no jabbing, no jabbering whatsoever, which, you know, was a huge disappointment for me. I have no idea what is up with that Joe Kelly signing. Um, you know, we certainly didn't know. Not that he wasn't. Previously, a very good reliever. He was. Yeah, I, and I've actually always liked Joe Kelly. I mean, he but can, he was a very injured reliever. Yeah, and and now you know now with what we've seen, he's a huge liability to even put him in a game. I, I, and I realize you want to keep using guys to see if they can get it, to see if they can get it, but he he don't got it. He just don't got it this year, and and. 
I don't know what's to be done about that because we spent way too much money on him. Uh, but we desperately need relief pitching. You know, Foster is also an example of a guy who comes out once every two times and uh, or every three and is just lights out, just lights out, terrific. And then the other times he gives up four runs and is just shelled and is walking people. And, you know, we do not have a reliable middle relief whatsoever, which would not be a problem if we had starters that could go more than five. But we don't. We find ourselves in this area where our starters, you know, Cueto from time to time, occasionally we're getting six innings out of someone. But still, that leaves the seventh and the eighth before you get well, to the, the one who usually the two who are usually good for more innings uh, are really struggling on, on pitch hands. So Lynn twenty nine in the first inning last night and twenty four the next inning, and he recovered. He had three real quick innings, but still he was toast. Uh, and uh, of course Giolito, who is really struggling. Uh, he. There seemed to be some indications he was saying he thinks he knows what he was doing. They're saying they think they know what Michael Kopech is mechanically off because he's really off. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you say, well, we, we, do, we don't need a starting pitcher, but maybe we do. Uh, it's certainly not a bad idea. You know, uh, Cueto has come in and, and done a nice job. Uh but we shouldn't put all of our eggs in that basket. You know, he he's, I'm glad we have him. I think he can be very valuable down the second half of the season, but we might be in the market for a starter. So here's my question for you. If we get to the end of these next 12 games, right? We're going to play Detroit for four, Cleveland for four. Minnesota he's, he's in for, for four, four, right. And that's when we With, hit the, the all-star break. break. Yeah. If Sebi is hitting 350, at the end of those games, do you trade him or do you make him your starter? That's an, <laughs> that's an interesting question. I think he almost has to, right now, the odd man out, the odd man out really is just money. say based on small sample size that that, that can stay but it, but if it stays around and he plays the way both offensively and defensively uh he has been and then Reese is not a great hitter but he's a left-handed hitter which we really need and he's a terrific catcher Yasmani is a worse than average catcher he's a, a negative D war catcher uh he was not getting the walks. I think pitchers maybe finally figured out, well, maybe we shouldn't be too fine with him because we don't have to be. He was incredible last, what is it, late August through September. But he was not anything. You know, he's, the knee injuries, knee injuries are a big thing, not just for being able to catch, for being able to hit. If you don't have your legs and you are strictly a power guy, uh, that's rough. It's not like he could switch to slapping singles into left field and be valuable that way. Um, well, I think you're exactly right about, you know, his on-base percentage last year was over 400, even though he was hitting below two. I think he, he might have gotten a little higher. Below by 200 him. most of the year anyway. Yeah. Um, 
Well, he was not doing that same thing this year. And I, I think you're right. He, well, I should clarify. He was definitely doing some of that, the under 200 thing. Uh, but his on-base percentage, and I, I think you're exactly right. People learn, the pitchers learn and pitching coaches learn that you don't need to pitch around him. You know, you can go straight for him. He might get one out of the park every now and then, but it's better than putting him on base every single time, which is almost what was happening last year. What do we do when when he's back and we've got McGuire, who honestly has been better than I expected overall? You know, he needs to get some sort of power going at the plate. He's, he's such a non-threat power-wise right now. But he's been a good catcher, very good catcher. He's been hitting in over 200, over 220, which for a catcher in the big leagues is... Particularly a guy who's designed to be the backup catcher. Yeah. A lot of backup catchers hit about 120. Absolutely. So then what do you do if Sebi's hitting... And I mean, I guess the answer to that for a lot of people is trade him. You trade him. You trade him while he's hitting 350 because you'll never get that value. Yeah, absolutely. But the issue is, what happens when you trade him, and then all of a sudden... And, Gondra, and Grandal's knee goes out again, and we've got absolutely nobody else to catch behind exactly. McGuire. Exactly. Or even if Grandal's knee doesn't officially go out, he's still so far from 100% that he's a liability to have in the game as well. And he's hitting 150, and he's not walking, and, and, that, and can't catch very well, and, and that kind of thing. This is a predicament I did not expect. <laughs> and I like Sebi a lot. And I think Sebi is always improving. I think he's always working hard. I think he's become a smarter catcher. I think he's become a much smarter hitter over the last year. I think when he's been in Charlotte, he has used that time to improve. My issue with trading Sebi, if he is still hitting, you know, 350 or something ridiculous, which, you know, that's ridiculous to think he would keep hitting it. But if he does, I just don't know that you're going to get a good enough return to roll the dice. Well, I, 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 I think what you have to do, and this would apply to any trade, any time for any team, is you float it. Yeah. And, and you see what you see what you can get. and the, yeah, and I would say probably in this case you end up pulling it back. I, you won't get what you want. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 depth problem we really have nobody else in the minors. Uh, so if you were to trade Sebi and his money goes down again, and I think he will. He's uh, yeah. I, I saw something that was interesting. It was on Fangraphs where it was an article from several years ago. Uh, because you think of, well, catchers are going to go downhill faster than anybody else because the thighs turn to lead, and you know, that's a very unnatural thing, way to spend your life crouched back there. Uh, that actually they don't. That they they start a little downhill first, but then they, the curve through your 30s for catchers and position players, other position players, is roughly equal, which I I was very surprised by that. I thought, and of course, we've got some catchers who probably skew that curve because I think Molina's going to catch till he's at least on Social Security. Um, yeah, no kidding. But um, but I I don't know. It, 
I don't think they can keep three catchers. Yeah. Even though Yasmani can play first, yes, but we got like 28 guys who can play first and uh, need to get some time over there so they're not in the outfield screwing everything up. Um, or well, third, I'm, I mean, right, I'm, 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 not, I'm, I'm not, in all my thinking here about our designated hitters, Burgers a designated hitter. He can't play defense. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a, he just went on the IL. I mean, we've uh, got I, we've got guys we can trade. They are currently in the majors on our team. And a lot of fans are going to be like, no, 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 don't trade these guys. They're going to be great. Well, those are guys you have to trade to get someone good. And if teams are willing to part with someone good for for Burger and Sheets, and, you know, I, would, I wouldn't I would trade Vaughn for really anything right no, now. No, no. Vaughn, um, Vaughn you, you would need to get some – incredible return that you're not that you're not going to get but burger and sheets i think are quite expendable i i would get rid of them immediately i mean if if someone offered me a a decent number four starter or a a solid reliever a really good reliever a decent reliever i would get rid of those guys especially if who you got and, and montas fits this uh has more than it's not just a rental has has right. he has another season to go? Uh, just the rentals, they can pay off, but it's expensive. It is, um, you know, and I, I'm not writing off Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets as as solid major league baseball players. They very well could be decent first basemen or or DHs, but we just don't have space for them to be on this team right now. They they don't fit in with what we need to be doing. Burger's pretty awful at third. Sheets is bottom of the league a, a, as a fielder in, in right. And honestly, he's not even that good of a fielder at first. Um, no, no. Vaughn, Vaughn is uh, pretty adequate. He made one bad play yesterday, but he made one great play. Uh, but Vaughn is pretty adequate. At Vaughn first. can put at first base and feel fine. Like I, I, I don't see putting Vaughn there as a huge defensive downgrade from Abreu. You know, Abreu is an upgrade. Yeah, Abreu is pretty great bad. Season a, a year, a couple years ago, playing first, but he has gone downhill uh, or returned to downhill. Return, yeah, I mean, it was so strange. Bad, 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 bad. Incredibly good. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, it's uh, just that one year of superdom at first base. So there's definitely room for Vaughn. So basically, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to, your suggestion, which you've definitely suggested just now, and you can't argue it, is that we get Grandal whipped into shape and put him out in right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he might be better out there. Which than could be guys. an upgrade. <laughs> Probably not, but it could be an upgrade. Um, anyway, we are running out of time today. Do you have anything else you want to touch on? Oh, we got four games with Detroit, uh, which knock on uh, bounce wood, uh, should be an opportunity. We're two games under 500. I don't think the sweeps are tough. Three out of four. I, I think is an expectation with the Dark Horse. We said the same thing with the Orioles. 
I'm smirking. I'm smirking over here. Three out of four with the Tigers would at least make us a 500 team going into the last eight games before the All-Star game. Four is possible, new spirit and all that. Anything less than three out of four, I think, is going to be a big disappointment this weekend. I agree. And and I think not only does it need to be three out of four, but it needs to not be two to one games and three to two games. If you can't wake up your bats against Detroit, then they're probably going to keep sleeping. And this is a, a golden opportunity to just start cranking the ball, running up the score, getting that getting that fire lit underneath everybody. You know, once once a couple people catch fire, other guys tend to follow suit. And the saying is that it's contagious. It's contagious. And and just having, as we talked about before, Eloy's energy back and the fact that he came out and started with a couple of really important hits. Um, I, I think three out of four is 100% expected. In fact, anything less is is a real huge disappointment because we're at home especially. Uh, but a sweep, sweep is what we need. We need the sweep. We need to go into the Cleveland series ahead of Cleveland. We need to go into the Minnesota series within striking distance where a sweep of that series would tie us at least. All of these things are very possible over the next 12 games. Uh, but we do need to see, uh, the life back in this entire team. And we need to see our starting pitchers who are struggling get it together. But that's that's all the time we have for sharing socks. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we will actually be, I mentioned before, we'll be attending the game on Sunday. So we will uh, maybe see some of you Southside Sox fans out there. Uh, and if not, we will see you next time on Sharing Socks. <laughs>